Welcome into the Ringerverse. Hide the toys, cause it's the Midnight Boys. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> that's like a little thing I did that. I like that. Hot the toys is midnight boys, because you know we're nerds, and if you leave your toys out, we're gonna play with them. You know. That sounds. I'm saying, nah. If you leave your toys, don't leave. This is a true story. This happened before. I had Castle Grayskull when I was a kid. I had Castle Grayskull and all of the the different He-Man sets. You know what I mean? And I had them. I had them staged the way I like. I had the shit. Wait, was this the OG one that now they make like ne- oh, the Netflix show about like the toys that made us? <laughs> yeah, it's like it, the He-Man. I had I had Castle Grayskull on one side of my room. I had Snake Mountain on the other side of my room, right? And I had it staged the way I like. Okay. Okay. And my cousin Coy, who ended up going to prison, and it shows you that he probably deserved that. Because who would come in there and mess up somebody's shit? Stop. My cousin Coy came in and he was playing with messed up my whole battle. <laughs> messed up my whole battle. Is this like Kanye's cousin that stole his laptop and he just never forgave him? Never forgave him. Never forgave him. <laughs> I want to put mitts on him, but he was a couple of years older. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by Brooks. Calling all running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight. So you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins and the better-than-ever Brooks Go 16. Click or tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Uh, you're just entering the Ringiverse. Uh, it's the Midnight Boys, myself, Van Lathan, uh, host of the Higher Learning Podcast with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay. And of course, uh, my partner in crime, Charles Holmes, host of the Ringer Music Show. You are in the middle of the instant reaction show to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We do this every Friday. We are the Midnight Boys, giving you that up at midnight, impulsive, uh, knee-jerk reaction to the series, which is absolutely picking up and catching fire. I think I feel like we're in, the, we're in the throes of it now. Follow us on all socials at Ringerverse, and then Tuesdays, come back and check in with Mal. On Tuesdays, Mallory is going to give you the deeper dives, your mailbag questions to kind of satiate you before we do this whole thing again. And we also are going to pepper in different episodes. I know, Charles, you went in on the first three episodes of Invincible, a series With my man, Jomi. Yeah, that we are loving. So you guys check that out. That's also on the feed. And me and uh, Miles and Lex did an instant reaction pod to Godzilla versus Kong. Monsterverse stuff happening, which is also on the feed. So check all of that out. We're giving you guys all that you can handle because, let's face it, nerd culture is giving us all we can handle right now. There's a lot going on. There's so much. Wait, can I just ask you real quick? How does it feel, man? It feels like that part of the movie where, you know, they Jackie Chan and, and Chris Tucker got to go their separate ways, you know, on little di- different adventures. Then they come back, you know? We, we were off doing instant reactions elsewhere and we just had to come back for the sequel. How does it feel? It, it feels good. It feels like, uh, it feels like whatever fast movie it was when Dominic Toretto and Brian came back together. You know what I mean? Wait, was that fast? That was not Fast Five. That was like Fast and Furious, the fourth one. Fast and Furious when they came back together. You know yep. what I mean? It's like, hey, Dom. It's like, hey. And then they, you know, they they rebond. I, I, like I was going to ask which one of us is Dom, which one is Brian, but I know I'm Brian. So I'm You're definitely fast. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely Brian. I was like, Brian. the light skin gives it away. Also, right. just my antics. So, yeah. Also you, give it away. You're for sure Brian. You might be the feds right now. I don't know. You got that. <laughs> you're for sure Brian. All right, coming up, we're going to do the same thing we always do, which is give our instant reactions to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Episode three, knee-jerk, impulsive, uh, way too rushed, not thought up, 
emotional. That's what we do. <laughs> but before we do that, we are going to do a new segment called Nerd News Minute. Because there's a lot of news that's happening in the fandom nerd culture space that we don't really get to talk about on the podcast because this is a podcast dedicated to one specific show. There are a couple of things out there right now that are going on. Number one, the biggest news I feel like of the week is that Ava DuVernay's New Gods and James Wan's uh, trenches are not moving forward at DC. Now, the it, the trench deal was kind of an off an Aquaman shootout, uh, an offshoot type of deal. Wasn't as kind of into that. That that never was coming out. Like I was actually surprised that that was never coming. That out. that that wasn't going to be a big deal, even though that was a very cool sequence in in um in, in Aquaman when they when they went to the trench. Yes, good, but good sequence, good great sequence. Actually, probably the best sequence of the entire movie. It was that was an amazing amazing sequence. Uh, but I am actually shocked about the new gods news. Oh, I, I am, was like, whoa! This I is... am shocked about. Wait, the can new I gods ask news. you before? Did you? Were you a fan? Did you read Tom King's Mr. Miracle run? No. My relationship with the New Gods is completely need to know. So I have jumped into what Kirby has done with the characters. I have... It's all to supplement my understanding of the greater DC universe as a whole. So I've read a couple of different runs, but am I... Can I name you... All the new gods of New Genesis and Apocalypse. Can I? Can I? No, I probably couldn't. I know the ones that are important: the Decides, the Granny Goodnesses, the High Fathers, the Dark Sides. Just all, and and their relationship to one another and what that universe. Excuse me, what that sort of mythos actually looks like. I'm well versed on that, but I, I didn't. So talk to me a little bit for for uh for those that don't know, Ava DuVernay was uh was um directing it. But she was also working with a comic book writer called Tom King. He released um, this critically acclaimed award-winning comic book called Mr. Miracle. Basically, it was probably one of the first times in The Nerds Might Shoot Me that, like, the new gods were done right. Where, like, if you've ever read, like, the Jack Kirby new gods, it's a lot. It's like, it's like reading, like, the Bible as a comic. So I was actually surprised. I was just like, this is a sure bet. You have a visionary director. You have one of the most decorated comic book writers going. He had a critically acclaimed Batman run. And to see them shuttle it, I was like, what? That was, if I'm being real, besides the new Batman movie, that was probably my second most anticipated DC release. Like, where did that rank for you on all the movies DC was planning? It ranked high because the scale of what they were going to do... Mr. Miracle as a character is just an amazing character. I actually thought the New Gods movie should have been the first movie that they made. Really? Even before the Zack Snyder stuff? Maybe you go Man of Steel, then you go to the New Gods, and and then you come out of it because the way Darkseid comes into everything, I don't understand how we were supposed to have a firm understanding of who Darkseid was and what Darkseid means to the entire DC universe if you didn't get that stuff first. So when I, when I say the first movie, maybe not, to your point, maybe not the first movie, maybe you introduce the universe with Superman the same way that you do. Maybe like a Guardians of the Galaxy type thing where yeah. it's just like you're, you're chugging along, Guardians of the Galaxy sets up a lot of the space characters. So by the time we're like at like Endgame Infinity War, we don't need any of that. We've seen right. who everybody is. Right. And so another thing is, I know how into this project Ava was. I interviewed Ava DuVernay. I think that must have been in 2019 or 2018. I'm going to say 2019. And I interviewed her at her office uh, uh, over at Array here in Los Angeles, right? And when we were in Ava's personal writing space during the interview where she writes and does all this stuff, it was for for her uh, Netflix miniseries, When They See Us, she had just an entire wall of New Gods stuff. Really? I didn't know how into the New Gods she was. She was reading and doing, she had an entire wall of all of this stuff and it was all plotted out and with with her behind it, I just can't believe that they got to this point um, and that it is now not going to seem to happen. 
Wait, but also before we go, one other thing. I'm surprised they're not doing it because we saw what Taika Waititi did with Jack Kirby designs with Thor Ragnarok, and we saw how amazing it did. So I'm surprised they wouldn't give Ava that chance to like to freak out the Jack Kirby comics in the same way Taika did because it works. So I'm actually like, this is like DC, like they're on notice. I'm 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 done with y'all if you can't correct this shit. But, see, but here's yeah. the thing though, that's what happens when there's shakiness in other areas of your universe building, right? So Marvel is allowed to take chances on characters that we don't know as well because they have a track record of movie quality that's going to get you to the theater every time. There's not very many people that are into this stuff as much as we are. They go to see the Guardians of the Galaxy, and for a lot of people, it's their first time meeting these characters. Now, if DC had had solid entries with no hiccups all over the place in their other movies, then it would have been easier, or the new gods might have been more palatable to a regular movie-going audience. But if you can't get Superman right, you're definitely not going to be able to get High Father and Granny Goodness and some characters that maybe people don't know. Not maybe they don't know. They don't know these characters. They definitely don't know. <laughs> so, so, so if you can't get Superman right, I could see why they would be skeptical about whether or not they were going to be able to get some of these other characters right. But I'll tell you this, though. Ava would have rocked it. And, and, I, and I hope we get to see the new gods on screen at some point. Hey, I hope Kevin's on the phone right now being like, Ava, you know. Yeah. Come to yeah. death row. Yeah, come to death row, Ava. Come, come, <laughs> come to death row. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. Calling all running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight. So you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins and the better than ever Brooks Go 16. Click or tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Now it's time for the most arduous part of this, which is we got to get to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And that starts with the 30-second recap. Now listen, the 30-second recap hasn't been going well. I'll be honest with you. Wait, can I say something before you start? Go for it. This is this is for all the listeners. I wanna I wanna on on air live tell you I apologize because when it was just me and Joe me and and it was my turn to do the thirty second recap for Invincible, I realized this shit is hard. Not so easy. I hit it. Not I so hit good. it on the first time. So you know what I'm saying. Still talented. Yeah. But Not so easy. that shit is hard. So like I, I was it. I was up here being like, damn, why isn't they hitting the thirty seconds? And it's man, tough. so it's tough. Apologies I, to Ben. <laughs> I, I punted. I punted and during the MonsterVerse podcast. I punted on the thirty second recap. I let Miles and Lex do it. They both failed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, all right. Spoiler warning. We're getting into it right now. Thirty second recap begins now. We start off with a look at Captain America and Battlestar. They are somewhere trying to bust the Flag Smashers. Captain America is cursing. From then we go to Sam and Buck. They are going to talk to Zemo. Uh, Buck deci- Sam de- uh, Buck decides they got to bring Zemo out of jail. From then, we move to Madripoor, something that you predicted. They are looking for the power broker. They go to Madripoor. In their search for the power broker, they come across Sharon Carter. After that, they 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 try to go find the power broker. What the hell? Zemo! <laughs> you were so close this time, Jim. <laughs> Shit. Man. Man, Damn. it's better, though. It's getting better. It's getting better. So after that, uh, a huge battle uh, ensues where they find a scientist that is responsible for the uh, the super soldier serum getting out. Huge battle ensues. After that, they have to go and do something else and blah, 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 whatever. I'm, I'm so 
I'm so disappointed in myself. I just <laughs> knew I was going to hit it. But I just uh, we knew had three I was more episodes. By episode right. five, I expect it to be perfection. I just got to do big chunks of it. I got to do big chunks of it. But anyway, they're, they're on the search for the power broker is the whole uh, the, the whole gist of this episode. So let's get into it. Overall instant reactions to this episode, Chuck. So my big reaction, my big one, I might be wilding out here, is Bucky the real bad guy? We are three episodes into this and I like... 15 minutes in, I'm like, I cannot stand Bucky Barnes. Like, throughout these three episodes, we've been like, did Bucky really do this? And right now, within three episodes, he didn't tell Sam about there being a black super soldier. He broke Zemo out of jail without telling Sam first. And the Wakandans rehabilitated him for what seemed like months. And he broke out the man that killed their king. So the whole episode, I was watching it, and I think that this episode was perfection. Um, it was written by Derek Kolstad, the um, creator of the John Wick universe. I think this was a perfect example of an episode where obviously they kind of like blew the budget on the first two with the action. They had to give us a little, some a little bit more grounded. And I could see that bringing Derek, you kind of got a John Wick vibe. But the whole time, in the back of my mind, I was like, Bucky might be the real villain of this whole thing because I cannot stand him and how he's doing Sam and the Wakandans. Am I crazy? You're not. I think one of the things that I have written down here is that for some reason, there's a dynamic in this episode where Sam still seems to be following Captain America around. In this episode, Buck acts like Steve acted for all of those movies. And it, the reality is that we look at it, Steve Rogers has honor and duty, right? But it's mostly to himself. If we're being honest about Captain America, Steve Rogers trusts himself to do the right thing uh, and he'll do the right thing in spite of consensus from everyone else. It's not democracy rule for Steve Rogers or majority rule for Steve Rogers. It's I know what's best and I'm going to do what's best. He trusts his moral compass so much so much that it gets in the way. And even if you like break down the nitty gritty argument of like civil war, were the Sokovia Accords wrong? Like when you see in this episode that basically there is no more Sokovia and you see all of these people who have been affected by these Avengers, you start to realize, was that the best way to be Captain America? So here's the deal. It's an interesting question and it's the fundamental question of the movie and it's the fundamental of that movie and it's also a fundamental question in hero lore, okay? So we're not heroes. And in a way, Iron Man isn't a hero. No. Iron Man is a regular guy who puts on a suit and then becomes something more than himself. So Iron Man understands or understood, rest in peace to my dog, pour out a little liquor, <laughs> pour out, hold on for a second. Uh, well, I'm actually going to watch this, pour out a little liquor for my dog. A little water. This is so dramatic water. right now. I put out a little water on my own. Wait, floor. do you have wood floors or do you have carpet? I have wood floors. Damn, so, so there's I, just water now on your wood floors. Yeah, man. That, that shows you <laughs> just how much I'm how much my I miss my dog, man. I, I miss my <laughs> dog, dog. So you know, Iron Man is someone who, even though he is billionaire, uh a genius, playboy philanthropist, is someone who understands the rules of society, whereas Steve Rogers has been trying to break those rules from the beginning. He's such, a, he's such a hero that he was trying to lie his way into the army. When he believes in something, he thinks he's right, he goes forward. And so those accords, even if we look back at them then, represent the way a person who functions inside of society looks at society and the way somebody who functions outside of society but believes he's protecting it functions. And mm. that's a lot of the same thing that you see with, with Sam and Buck in this, in this episode, right? Sam has... Regular people problems, trying to get a boat for his, you know, you know like trying, trying to get, to a, get loan, a bank loan, trying to trying get a to loan. take care of his family. And I also think that's especially important to note when we talk about Sam and Bucky. Bucky has no one. Like, so the way he acts is like how like a dickhead, like 21 year old would act. No family, no sister, no nothing, no one to take care of. And Sam is like a regular guy in extraordinary situations. Yes. And they act completely different. They act completely different. So one guy is like, hey, 
Look, I've been on a lot of ops and a lot of missions where we had to break a lot of rules to get to mission accomplishment. And one of these guys is a guy who had to get down and dirty, who had to do all of these things in just the the name of mission accomplishment. Whatever had to happen, happened. Remember, someone even tells Captain America back in the day, greatest generation, you guys had to do some really, really nasty stuff. And he goes, yo, that was war. These guys are always fighting the war, so they're always willing to break the rules. That dynamic was reestablished in this episode because a buck is doing all kinds of things, things that he feels like he has to do to accomplish the mission. And Sam is pretty much just going along for the ride. But that's and- what makes me mad. That's what makes me mad because Sam Sam was there for Bucky when no one else was. Like, he's the only guy texting Bucky, checking up on him, being his boy. Even when, like, we talked about it on the first episode, first or second episode, when when you're not really boys with someone, but, like, you check up on him anyway because you have someone in connected. And sure. then when we think of the, the Wakandans, dog, they rehabilitated your ass. Right. And not for one second. Like, it's Sam who has to bring it to his attention. He, not for one second, thinks... How would they, how would these people feel? How would this African nation feel? And that is why Bucky is moving so dirty. And I right. he, I don't know if he can redeem himself within these three episodes. Well, I I think that he can because I think once again we we're connected to the characters because of their motivations and what it is that he's doing. I think we all want to find out who the power broker is. I think we all want to. Um, we all want to figure out what the nature of the Flash Smashers are, and I think that the audience will have some allegiance to him because of that. But okay. it, it was, I, I, I do. I, it, I do see your point though. He was just off doing his thing, breaking rules, <laughs> betraying allegiances, doing the whole nine. Just, it, it's like, it's the way these guys move. It's the way they move. When and, he didn't tell Sam he was breaking out Zemo, I'm like, and that, that goes to your point. Dog, they're still treating Sam like the sidekick, and he has top billing, at least in the title, and he's still go just going along with the mission. And I'm yeah. like, man, y'all got three episodes to prove that he could be Captain America. And also, it's a very interesting episode because this is the first time we don't see he is definitely the sidekick in this episode because he doesn't have his wings. So his, his his wings, if I'm mistaken, we don't see Falcon's wings in this entire episode. Not at we? all. That was that's what I was saying by like this episode. Like I don't know if it was budget constraints. We don't see Bucky's arm for long stretches of it. He has it covered up. We don't see uh, Falcon's wings at all. He doesn't fly at all. And for most of the episode, he's back to being like the sidekick with the like one liners right uh, for, throughout the whole thing. So, uh, but I still love the episode. <laughs> Love the episode. The episode was amazing. I just thought that that, that tonal shift into uh, Sam taking a backseat was a little bit more interesting. And I think it worked. I think it worked because this 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 was about subversion and being sort of uh, a cloak and dagger under the radar and covert tactics. And that's a world that that, frankly, Bucky probably understands a little bit better than Sam. So Sam probably would have to fall behind and take his cues from Bucky and Zemo. Speaking of Zemo, Zemo, we understand a, a little bit better now, right? So they break Zemo out of jail, and we understand the lineage of Baron Zemo. Obviously, if you're if you're a comic book fan, then you know that the Baron Zemo is uh, Baron Zemo. Should I say is a that's another mantle? A couple of different guys from the same family, very rich family. In the comic books, I believe it's German, but in this family, in in this world, in the MCU, it's Sarkovian. Uh, Baron Zemo is a is a title that's you know passed down, and so is the mask itself. We see the fact that he's got a lot of resources, he's got a lot of money, got a lot of cars. The mask makes his debut. Baron Zemo then helps uh, Sam and Buck get to the point to where they can go into a world and try to get the power broker out of it. He seems to be the guy that understands this world a little bit better than than they do. Can I just say, what did you think of him? I liked him. Once again, jumping out the plane, Daniel Bruhl like put up forty points. Like I thought he stole the show in a way. I was just like, you weren't even this good in Civil War. Like some of the one-liners, like every scene he was in, he was just stealing it. Like he had, I think there's like at least three quotables it, within that episode 
from just what he said. Dialogue. Yeah, he had a lot less to do. And to be honest with you, he had a lot less to do in Civil War than he did in this movie. In, in, this exactly. episode of TV. in, in what? This is 45 minutes? He, the character building they did in 45 minutes of this is way more than they did in like the two and a half hours of Civil War. Yeah, well, in Civil War, he was just a guy. It was almost just in... He was a guy to throw us off the scent of the main story. It was a beast yeah. story a little bit in Civil War. So in this one, we got a, a much more of a sense of who he was. And it also seems to, in, in this episode, that it's something different between this episode and Civil War is that he seems to have gone through a significant grieving, grieving, a significant grieving process. And he is now not over, but past the death of his family. Because in Civil War, a lot of the Baron Zemo that we saw was a guy where his emotions were still raw. Revenge was on his mind. And he was, he was so focused on one thing that he was grieving and still hurt. And he, he played the character that way. This was a little bit more of a lighter touch. Don't get me wrong. There were still some absolutely diabolical moments from him. And he was still pressing people's buttons. But he seemed to be, this probably seems to be a little bit more of his actual personality than what we got in Civil War. Which is great acting and great writing, I should say, to actually evolve a character that we had tapped out from for a couple of movies. I think also what I liked about it is this is obviously the whole series is an espionage thriller. And Baron Zemo in this, he almost felt like a Bond villain in the way he's he's a man, a man of means. He's a man of wealth. Like he's trading back one-liners back and forth. I think honestly, like probably the best moment of <laughs> the whole entire episode is Zemo is actually like a fantastic music critic. Like yeah. he's, he gets a bar off basically like uh, there's a back and uh, forth Bucky. We learn, he says, quote, I like forties music when, when they press him on whether he likes, uh, uh, whether he likes, what's his name? Marvin Gaye. Whether, whether he's a fan of Marvin Gaye and Baron Zemo says in that moment, what does he say? Let me pull it up. It's a masterpiece, James. Complete. Comprehensive. It captures the African-American experience. When, when he's right. talking about trouble, By the man. Way, I, I love that. I love that response. That's the realest moment of the whole episode. Sam so goes, Sam goes, he's out of line, but he's right. Because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes... It, as a black dude, sometimes you're in that situation. Somebody will say something about the black experience and you'll be like, it'll be a white guy and you'll be like, now, okay, now he shouldn't be saying that, but that shit is real though. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, and so that's kind of where he was. That was a great scene. It, it was on the such plane. like the writing was perfect. And I, in that moment, I wanted to ask you, do you think Baron Zemo like reads Pitchfork? Do you think he's watching so Anthony Fantano videos? Wait, wait. And then my next question for you before we get off, we get off this corner. Bucky said, I'm a fan of 40s music. Does that mean he has not listened to any music since he's woken up? Is that what we well, think? Well, he said that he he listened to Trouble Man, but he didn't like it. He, he was he's a fan of 40s music. So he's into I mean, what's 40s music? Like, we're talking about big band stuff? Like, big band stuff. That's, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, he's he's into, like, he's into who? Was uh, Sinatra around in the 40s? He was, right? Well, Frank Sinatra, Charlie Parker, uh, Nat King Cole. Ooh, Nat King Cole. Boy, I tell you what, if you're a Nat King Cole fan, you got a completely different view of black people than you do if you're a Marvin Gaye fan. <laughs> Shout out Nat King Cole, man. That's a, it's an ocean of difference. If Bucky was here right now, like Eddie was like, we were giving him like a black music playlist. What would you, what, what would be, what Ooh, would you give What's him? on Bucky's black music playlist? Like from what era though? From what time? I think you got from 40s on. Like what, what are the Ooh. songs or the moments where you're like, all right, Bucky, like you need to, because he's like, he's fucking up a lot of his black relationships. Sam Wilson, Wakandan. What, what do we give him to ease him into this? Okay. Well, since he was already in Wakanda, which is on the African continent. Uh, I'm going to give him a little Lady Smith Black Mombazo to listen to. And okay. I'm going to pair that, I'm going to pair that with a little Burner Boy. All right? So, so, you know, he's probably familiar with those rhythms, you know what I'm saying, that, mm -hmm. that, we're, that we're going through. Because I bet they did. I bet, I bet, I bet Burner Boy and Wizkid are big in Wakanda. They got to be. <laughs> They got Burner Boy and Wizkid got to be big in Wakanda. They got to be. No, so I'm they got to be huge. So I'm going to give them some of that. Uh, I'm a, We're going to take a stop. I'm, I'm telling you what, you know what I'm going to do? If I'm giving them music to listen to, I'm going to completely co 
take two thousands out of it. He's I'm not gonna give him any music. Wait, two thousands? I was I like the first thing out of my mind is like, has he heard Usher's confessions? Yeah, see, I wouldn't give him that. Wait, why not? You wouldn't give Bucky Usher's confessions? Nah, I wouldn't give him Usher's confessions to listen to now. No Drake, no Young Thug, no Lil Wayne, no nothing. No. How no. old are you, Dan? Well, Bucky doesn't need. It. I'm forty. Bucky doesn't. You need are it. a hater. Like you are. Like I'm a not a hater at all. All that music is great, but ah, that's not what it, that's not what Bucky needs. That music. That what, music is, what does Bucky need, old man? What does Bucky need? That music won't help Bucky understand anything any better. It won't. It just won't. I mean, to, if we're talking about all that music is great music, but if we're talking about the important music, Bucky don't need to hear that. Bucky gonna be confused. Bucky, Usher, Usher's confessions isn't important. No, Usher's Confessions is definitely, if you're going to pick something from the 2000s, Usher's Confessions definitely would be it. I love Usher's Confessions. But if it was, if I was going to give Buck an R&B album to listen to, it wouldn't be Usher's Confessions. What would it be? Would it be like it a would, Prince album? Prince vacillates from R&B and, you know, he Rock, plays with yeah. a lot of different genres and stuff like that. But I, I would, if, if Bucky wants to understand R&B, I'm going to really get deep with him. I'm going to give him some Teddy P. All right, I'm gonna give him some Luther Vandross. Okay, I, I might even go. I might even. I, to me, I think I might even give him some Jodeci. So jo- him, wait, wait. So you're not gonna give him. You're like money. we're not gonna give him any 2000 stuff, but Ooh, you're gonna give him some Jodeci. My house and my car. Boy, <laughs> he love you, Bucky. Bucky, I'm telling you. I, to me, that's the stuff I would give it. You know, and then the '90s hip hop. Buck gonna have to understand, and then just for a little pop. I'm going to throw in some TLC, some waterfalls. But really, a lot of what I'm going to have Buck listen to, because he needs to calm his ass down, is probably Stevie Wonder. Right, it's going to be very Ooh, heavy right, Stevie Wonder. This is where we're I think Stevie Wonder actually is the perfect like nexus point that he could start breaking off. Because he could get he could get in touch with his emotions. He, he can dance a little bit. We agree. So you called something. Once again, once again... Not, Nostra Charles just called something. You felt like they would go to Madripoor. They went to Madripoor in this episode. I howled when I, I heard that. Also know that you know you're cool with the showrunner of the show. So these might not be things that you're necessarily... No, 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 no. I just want to uh, you're cool this is with all, the showrunner. This is all coming from the top of the dome. They, if people want to know what's coming on next episode, just ask me at the end. You know, I'll give my predictions. Right. I'm two for right. two right now. So Wait, but people, can you tell the people what Madripoor is? I know. I was going to ask you to tell the people what Madripoor oh, is. Oh, I, I got you. I got you. So Madripoor, you know, we we said in the previous episode we weren't we gonna we weren't gonna be thirsty for the uh, for the X Men anymore. We weren't going to be. But this is the only moment where we can dabble we can dabble a little bit. Madripoor was uh, created by Chris Claremont. Uh, Chris Claremont. Chris Claremont. 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 Uh, Magic War yeah. was created by Chris Claremont. Um, it debuted in the New Mutants, but it is big in Wolverine lore. It is basically based on Singapore. And the best way I can describe it is like Madripoor, if especially for the X-Men, is where you go when you're down, dirty, trying to get like that, like violence ready you're yeah. you're killing ninjas your drugs are being dealt that's really where the black trade market of the of the marvel universe is set did i miss anything about madripoor for people no who don't I, I i just think it's an important jumping off point for why i think the mutants are going to be in the mcu actually there is uh on the gate of did you notice that the the, the x insignia on the gate there Behind oh, the flash I, I, I didn't want to bring that up because you claim me being thirsty, but I saw the X signia. I was like, is this? Is this? Are we well, doing this? They're talking about so there's a part where the flash smashers are talking about rescuing kids from camps. Okay. The reality is that well, the kids that they could be rescuing from those camps, and I'm sure um, th- this is not novel that everybody who watched the episode might be thinking this, could be mutants. Could be mutants that are behind that inside of that gate or whatever whatever place they were outside of right there. This, this is the knee jerk reaction show, so we haven't had time to go through all of the theories and kind of get all of that stuff out there. But yeah, it seems like Madripoor is going to be very important to expanding uh, the MCU and maybe perhaps bringing the mutants back into it. Sharon Carter comes back. We get to Madripoor, and she is now a, a dealing art on the black market there. Uh, you know, Sam and uh, Sam and Buck. Going to a place with Zemo, they are trying to get leads and clues to find out where the power broker is. They run into some hairy stuff. Sam gets a call. They then they kind of end up running into Sharon Carter. And Sharon Carter 
sort of tries to help them get in touch with the power broker yet again. It's very clumsy the way I'm putting it, but it's midnight. Uh, what did you think about her resurfacing in this episode and us touching base with a character that we haven't seen since Civil War? I personally think in the same way that Zemo's character really shined in this episode, Sharon Carter, oh man, she just had, I don't know what it was, but just, it seemed like she grew into the character, especially now that not Steve's not there. She doesn't have to be a love interest. She's, she's bitter. She says at one point to Sam, look, you know the whole hero thing is a joke, right? The way you gave up that shield, deep down you must know it's all hypocrisy. She was coming out guns blazing. And the main reason is because we learn in this episode, all the Avengers got some pardons, but my boy, Captain America forgot to get one for his girl. And this is what I want to bring up. Is Steve Rogers low-key, low-key, like, he got some, he, he that's a piece of shit moment for him. It's something I don't actually even understand. It doesn't make any sense. I gotta be yeah. honest with you. That, that, that does that makes absolutely zero sense. For everything that we know about Steve, it makes no sense. A, because we know at the end of Endgame, he basically goes back in time. He makes everything right. He puts everything where it needs to be. He's a very meticulous guy. Everybody gets pardoned. He makes sure everybody's okay. But he doesn't make sure that his love interest is okay. He goes back and basically what? That's technically his great niece. He's making sure that Falcon, a man he's known for a couple years, gets a pardon, and his best friend Bucky, but he forgets his great niece who he had feelings for. It makes no sense character-wise. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. And also, I, look, I understand that she she that she uh she did what she did. She brought on the shield, she brought on the stuff, and then she kind of had to get ghosts and go underground. But that's a huge loose end to not leave tied up. There weren't that many people that needed to be brought back into the fold, right? That there weren't that many people to where he would like, like forget one that needed to be brought back into the fold. So to me, personally, I understood why they did it. It was awesome to see her character. She kind of like was Black Widow Jr. in this, and she has such a big, she's such a big force in the comic books. It was interesting to see her get a little bit more oxygen, and I loved it. But that did not make any sense. It just, it, it wouldn't make any sense that, that she wouldn't get pardoned we also have to look at a world that Steve Rogers just decided for everything that Steve Rogers did, right? Steve Rogers just left the world. He just left the world and left it, left it as it was, right? Just left, left the world. And there's a lot of chaos in that. Really, Steve Rogers' absence while all of this is happening is probably the most uncharacteristic thing that they've done with that character since they've had him. The fact that he just left he, he just, just beast out. He, he just, just ghosted. Did enough. You guys take it from here. It's more interesting. I will say this. Sharon is a way more interesting character with this happening, with her having like a chip on her shoulder and being like, you know what? Fuck Captain America. Fuck you superheroes. I'm out here. I'm making money in Madripoor. So I actually think character-wise, it was great for her. It just makes no sense from what we know about everything that went down. So, also, I didn't ask you. I didn't ask you. Mad we skipped over this in Madripoor. What did you think of the fits? Like, I have to say, the fits in Madripoor were very good for the three of them. Falcon, I liked it. Zemo. I liked it. Sam's especially was looking kind of shy. He was looking shy. You know, they walk into the club. They have to, they have to, they're undercover. They have to, like, you know, stay in character. He was looking pretty shy. Wait, I have day. to ask you because you, you brought this up, you know, when, like, a white guy says something and you're like, right, but... Shouldn't, you, you shouldn't be the one saying it. When Zemo goes to uh, to Sam, uh, only an American would assume a fashion for a black man looks like a pimp. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, yeah. Not yeah. for you, Baron. You shouldn't yeah. be bringing that up. Maybe not, but I'll be honest with you. I kind of like that a little bit. <laughs> Zemo, I thought it was uh, a uh, Zemo was on his ally shit a little. <laughs> you know, Zemo, like, Zemo just wanted to make sure. Zemo goes, Zemo says, I'm a lot of things, man. But a racist, not one of them. Not one of them. Not Z one Z of them. Zemo's like, don't put that on me. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a racist. Like I'm, I'm actually cool. Like I, he's, you know, he's pretty surprisingly. Zemo is very woke. I was just although Zemo killed King T'Chaka, 
the ruler of Wakanda. Ooh, we keep forgetting that. We, can't, we keep forgetting. <laughs> maybe he feels it. Maybe it's, hey, maybe maybe it's Zemo's white guilt for killing T- King T'Challa that now he feels like he has to go extra far to be down. Maybe Who he was knows? reading Roots in prison. Maybe he was reading Tony Easy Coates in prison. Maybe, he's maybe he was. Man. Maybe he was. So they end up meeting with a doctor named Dr. Nagel. And this guy is the guy who's responsible for the resurgence of the super soldier serum. This is very interesting because uh, they allude to the fact that the way he was able to do this was to synthesize blood that had come from Isaiah Bradley's body. Now, they don't say this outright, but that is what we are left to deduce from the fact that they're talking to him. And that's actually what Sam deduces because you can tell by the look on his face that he knows the super soldier, the, the experiments that had to happen for them to kind of get the uh, the formula and recreate what Erskine was able to do. Um, how deep do you think Marvel, the MCU, is going to get into? The government was experimenting on Black people to make new super soldiers. At this particular time, Marvel, just to cross it over into the real world, Marvel couldn't have seen uh, what was going to be happening in the real world along the time that this was coming out. They couldn't have seen that, right? They in no way couldn't have, could have seen that. Do you think, like, how deep is this series going to go into the fact that this version of the American government was experimenting on black people to make super soldiers. How how on the nose you think they're going to be about that? So the reason why I think they might actually go pretty deep, and not to bring it back to to mutants, but what I think is interesting is in the Ultimate Universe, they revealed after years and years and years that the way mutants were created in that universe was through the government. The government was experimenting on humans, they were human-made versus in the regular 616 universe, mutants are mutants at birth. So I think that potentially Falcon and the Winter Soldier is laying breadcrumbs that the government is used to testing and making superheroes of their own. And I'm not saying the X-Men show up in this. I'm just saying I think they're setting a precedent for a government that is a little bit darker than what we've what we believe. And it's something that they've been doing for a little bit, showing how deeply integrated Hydra was. So I do think that they are going to, they're going to keep tapping this mine. And I don't think we've seen the last of Isaiah. I also think when we were in one of our previous episodes, we were wondering why has Isaiah aged? The doctor said, why has he aged? Why hasn't he? Why has he? Oh yeah. Why has he? And And in this, he said like really quickly that it was like a semi-perfected. He said something that it was like a semi-stable strain of the super soldier serum. So already, I think what we're leading into is that these people who have taken this super soldier serum, it's going to do something weird. And I think where we're going to see that is with U.S. agent, whether it turns them crazy, whether it starts rapidly aging them, because it's we're, we're realizing I don't think it's perfected in the same way it was perfected with Steve. Well, well, no, yeah. The only doctor who, who ever perfected uh, the super soldier serum got it completely right was Dr. Erskine. Even in truth, they experimented, I think, on, if you read Truth, 300 guys, and most of the guys died violent, horrible deaths. Isaiah Bradley survived. One guy blew up like 20 minutes after he took the serum. So the only time it's actually been done uh, completely right is Abraham Erskine. And then I think that, uh, then, you know, of course, he's killed right after that. But so, so this guy getting the Flag Smashers to be as good as they are, as regular as they are, whatever, is was an incredible achievement. He, you know, Dr. Nagel, even in the books, he's, you know, he's in truth, like it's an incredible achievement, uh, what he did. Let's talk about the Flag Smashers specifically themselves. All the way up to the last scene that we see them in this episode, they are completely sympathetic villain types. Completely. They all they're talking about is what was lost, what they want to rebuild. And we see a terrorist act at the end of this episode where Carly says to where where uh the guy who's talking to Carly says, one of the flash measures says to her, there were people in there. When they blow up the building, yes. When they blow up the building, there were people in there. Like people still were inside. And she says, This is the only language that these people understand. So 
they're painting a picture of a group whose intentions seem to be based in what they've lost, what they're trying to get back, but who who show that they're willing to kill innocent people to get the, the 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 to get to the ends of what they're trying to do, the means to their ends. If some people have to die, then some people have to die. What did you think? What did you come away with thinking about the Flash Smashers after this episode? I mean, like I was now that you brought it up, I thought the Flash Smashers have been probably the weakest of of the elements of the of the show so far. It's like the least, or at least the least compelling. Um, and I didn't know when we would get the villain turn. And Carly, I believe either it's not, it's a mother figure. I don't think it's her biological mom, but a mother figure in her life dies. And that seems to be the thing that like snaps her. And the flag smashers go from sympathetic uh, to basically terrorists. So I do think that this was a necessary step to get them there, but I'm still kind of left wanting with like, why are they here? Like go back to Zemo, they're kind of boring. Is is that is that harsh? No, it's not harsh. I think they serve as a device to make people care about where the, why they're more enhanced people. I don't know if we care about the flag smashers as much as we care about how they got their powers, because I think that how they got their powers is the more dangerous part of this entire ride. Like, why are they enhanced? Who did this? Who is enhancing people? This is outside. It's almost like nuclear, uh, a nuclear weapon, right? The rest of the countries that have, nu- that have nuclear weapons are the countries that get to say who has any, who gets to have nuclear weapons, right? So it, it's like the, the uh, America has the Avengers. Like we have the Avengers. The Avengers exist. So it, they don't want any more people because that just creates more problems. So what they're saying is, hey, who is making more people? Who is conducting more tests? Who is doing this stuff? without going through what are the proper channels, which I guess would be government-type shit. Well, we realized that it was Hydra first, and then the CIA was was were the people who were, uh, or the government arm that was backing it, and then now the power broker. And the thing that I find, like, so fascinating is that, like, Zemo was right. Like, technically, Zemo was right. His whole thing was, like, superheroes are bad. There should be no superheroes. And the whole reason they had to break him out is... Zemo was the only person who kind of predicted that this is the natural conclusion of the Avengers and their relationship to the government. Like, people are going to try to create more weapons of mass destruction. And in the MCU, it just so happens to be superhero beings. Vision said that. Vision said, our strength invites conflict. You know what I mean? And and it was, and it's, it's it's a true thing. And it's like, you look at it the same way. You look at a real world situation. You look at countries that go, listen, and by the way, I'm not a crazy go build nuclear war, uh, nuclear weapons guy. I fucking, <laughs> listen, if you ever listen to the T2 podcast with me and Bill, then you know, I terrified of nuclear war. Terrified. Really? Is that, that's one of your fears, oh, man? Oh, fuck it. Hell yeah. Did you, wait, are you yeah. old enough where you had to hide under the desks? Come on, man. Sorry, I had to get that one in. Continue. Come, come on, come, come. You know, God damn it, God damn it, bro. You're ripping, <laughs> you're ripping the Midnight Boys apart. Am I old enough? We had to hide. No, nah, man. We have, we got, a, we have a beef brewing, so we can't be. Yeah, yeah. Beef, right? the, we can't have internal beef. Midnight, you're ripping the Midnight Boys apart. You know what? I, I, I'm obsessed with the hiding under the desk people. Like, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with that. First, we didn't have, we didn't have to hide under the desk, but I did grow up in the '80s, and the '80s were, I guess, crescendo. Of the Cold War. I mean, yeah. obviously the Cuban Missile Crisis was as tense as it ever got, but there was a second arms race that happened in the 80s where, you know, Ronald Reagan and uh, all of these guys, it didn't really end until later on in the decade. Obviously, the Soviet Union fell apart. You know, and Gorbachev and Reagan ended up, they had glass nose and it, you know, it, it was like a bunch of different things. But yeah, I was scared of it. I was scared of it because there would be movies being made about it. And I was also scared of it because of one thing that my father did, which I think is one of the more outrageous things that a person has ever done to a child. Me and my dad are watching the movie Silverado. Silverado is a Western. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Seen it I have before. not. Okay, it's a great Western. So we're watching the movie, and my father looks at the horse and carriage and you know all of that stuff. It's an old-town Western time. It's an old-town road. Shout out to that video and not to Satan. But <laughs> so so um, he says, hey, the world's going to be just like that again. 
I'm, remember, I'm like seven or eight at this point. And I'm like, he's like, it's on cable. He says, the world's going to be just like that again. I was like, why? He was like, oh, because Reagan's going to drop that bomb. I'm like, what? Wait, was he kidding? Was he just fucking with you? Fuck no. <laughs> I understand so much more about the way, the why, the way you are than like, this, this is like a defining moment. Hell no, he wasn't kidding. He said, and I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, the Soviet Union got bombs and we got bombs and they got bombs and if they shoot their bombs and if we shoot they, uh, our bombs, it'll be a chain reaction and it will blow up the entire world. And I fucking freaked out. A couple of weeks later, we had to draw pictures in class and like it was like an art show where the people were going to come around drawing uh, other kids were draw, drawing like dragons and stuff like that. You know what I drew? A Soviet soldier and an American soldier hugging. And then and they, they, they asked like, why did you draw this? I was like, because I want us to be friends with them so that there's no killing. I remember my, I was in the first grade. What? I remember like, so I must have been a little, I was just like in the first grade. I remember teacher was like, yo, why are you thinking about that? And like, why, like, what, Did why they have to have a meeting with your, with your parents? They're just like, yo, what is going on in the, in the Lathan household? She brought it up. You know what my daddy said? Stay out of my goddamn household. I say whatever I want to my son. Don't worry oh, about woo. it. I'm telling you. <laughs> Coming in hot. Stay out of my goddamn household. I say whatever I want to my son. Don't even talk about that. But so, so yeah. So I, I, this is a little digression. I, I digress. It's a true story. Uh, I digress. But the reality is that you know you see countries now. There's a corollary there. You see countries now that figure that figure. Hey, we're going to get pushed around unless we have nuclear weapons. And you could see that living in this MCU world where their Avengers exist, where there've been. Uh, you know, aliens to come and try to destroy half the planet where it would be natural for people to think we don't matter unless we have superpowers. Yes. Unless we have superpowers, we do not matter. Nobody's going to care about us. Nobody's going to care about what's going on with us. And essentially, this is like a sort of a non-proliferation show where people are trying to make sure that they're not dirty bombs in the form of superheroes Ooh, that are right. making their way around the world. And this is the first episode where we, where we try to see that. Whoever's giving people superpowers, we have to stop because the cost could be too high. Bar. Bar. <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> okay. At the end of this, we get a surprise. Hey, yo! One of the members of the Dormelage pops up. We get to Latvia. Shout out to Chris Alves we get to Latvia. We're still on the on the, on the on the hunt, the trail of the power broker, and we see that Dormelage pops up here. What do you think this means? Because I don't really have very many theories going forward. I know they want Zemo. They've wanted Zemo. Zemo killed their king. Uh, they at first wanted Buck, thinking that Buck killed their king, but they want Zemo. What do you think this means for the future of the series? I was surprised when that happened, and I'm surprised it happened in this episode because, like, they just broke Zemo out. And I'm like, Wakanda's going to have to do something. But like, I, I can't see it popping up. And now, like, damn, I think it just introduces another enemy. Because the, the United States can't be backing Falcon and, and Bucky anymore. Because they found out that the CIA is making superheroes. All of Europe looking for them. And now they got the, the greatest nation, the highest technology nation in the world. So Very it's true. like... It's like a very like espionage thriller thing where it's just like, like now they are truly men without a nation, which speaks to like, honestly, Sam's journey of becoming Captain America. Because if your own country doesn't trust you, how are you going to run around wearing, wearing the flag? So I very think true. that why I don't think they're going to go to Wakanda. I think they're going to dispatch with the Dora Milaje pretty, pretty fast because we only have three more episodes. But I do think it's just another wrinkle of how does Captain America become Captain America when his own government and the world does not trust him? I agree with you in terms of that. I don't think they're going to spend too much time on it. I will say this. I don't know. The last three episodes of this, we're halfway done, right? We're halfway. There's only three more. Only oh, three more. The last three episodes of this have kind of a lot of work to do to make either of these guys Captain America. So much work. Like, we're almost... Still at the beginning of that, like it doesn't seem as if there's been any. These last three episodes are really gonna have to focus on that. 
And we're going to do something right now. We're going to do two more things before we go. The first thing we're going to do is something that this episode didn't do, which is give a little oxygen to John Walker and Battlestar. They're in one scene at the beginning. Um, and I, I think that, forgot about it. I, I did too. I think that one scene was very telling. Two things. Number one, John Walker curses. Yes. And I think that was very, very important that they had him curse. He says something is bullshit because remember, Steve Rogers before when uh, in, in Age of Ultron, Iron Man let one slip and Steve Rogers corrected him and said, <laughs> watch your language. There's a purity and a decency about Steve Rogers that, you know, John Walker as Captain America doesn't seem to have. And you saw, even in the one scene that they had him in at the beginning because they're on the tail of those Flash Smashers as well. And I'm 100% certain that we'll see them, the Captain America and Battlestar, more in the next episode, that they're starting to draw kind of lines between who John Walker is and who Steve is. Mm. Where do you think they're going to take his character? Because we have no clue. What do you think, where do you think his character is, is going to go? Well, I think we already, not just the cursing, I correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think I saw in any of the Captain America movies or the Avengers Steve ever crossed that line where he's threatening civilians to get what he wants. Yeah, that that was that was even bigger. You're right. You know? And it's like I think we're already starting to see that I'm going to call him US agent cuz he's not my Captain America. You we're already seeing <laughs> okay. US agent is a real soldier where we were talking earlier in the episode where Steve is still guided by his moral compass above all, but above the army, above the, the government, above the Avengers, he's always going to fight for what he believes is right. And I think we're seeing with U.S. agent that he, it's always about the mission for him. It's always about like good old boys doing what we need to do for our government. And I think we're going to see the natural conclusion of that. If the CIA was working on making super superheroed beings, we already know where U.S. agent lands on this. And it's not on the side of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, I'm looking to see, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more uh, of John Walker and them kind of all, all clash. I think a lot of things are happening. I think we understand a little bit more about the Flag Smashers. I think we understand a little bit more about the dynamic between Sam and Buck. I think we understand a little bit more about uh, even from that one scene, U.S. agent and, and, and Battlestar. And we're also going to see Sam probably try to reconcile the history of the government that he feels like he's fighting for because of what happens with Isaiah Bradley. They got a lot of work to do in three episodes, but they've been able to do it thus far. I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was great. It was different. It had very much the feel of Captain America Winter Soldier. And to a degree. I mean, there is, the only reason why I say Winter Soldier and not Civil War is because Civil War was so grandiose yeah. because of the superpower beings that were in it. This one felt like its feet were a little bit more on the ground, uh, but I enjoyed it. I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. But they have so much story to cover. In the I think next they can pull weeks. it off because I'm surprised. I'm honestly surprised. We already got Isaiah Bradley, Madripoor, Zemo, and Sharon Carter in the first three episodes. So it's not what they're moving very, very quickly. They're doing their thing. They, they're doing their thing. Okay, real quick, before we go, uh, a little, let's do a little post-mortem on, on Godzilla and King Kong. We talked a little bit about it, but we didn't, you know, I did a whole podcast about it. What were your thoughts? I was listening about, to the podcast. I enjoyed it. What, what, did, you, what did you think? What did you think about that? Ooh, amazing. You loved it. I loved, loved it. Now, the caveat, if I had paid like $30, like me and my girl went to go see it, if I paid $30 in a the theater, I would be very bad. Oh, interesting. Why is that? Because uh, it's like, it was the perfect, like, oh man, I don't have to pay anything besides a subscription to see this movie. I could shut off my brain. Like, I could eat whatever I want. Like, I could check my phone. Cool. Like, if I was in a theater and I actually had to, like, concentrate on the plot of it, I would have been like, nope, 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 nope. But, it, like, at home, in bed, I was just like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. But I, I talked, one like, I have a piece coming out. I talked to two scientists, friends. One is studies primates. One studies lizards. And I was watching it and I couldn't get it out of my mind. The science of this was so backwards. My man Kong had so much to offer. Had so much to offer in this battle. So many smarts, smarts that he should have shown that weren't that, that, that never showed up. He's a, he's, he has such a huge brain compared to Godzilla 
tiny lizard brain and didn't use it at all and got Damn. washed. And that's you what, just, like, that would upset me. It upset me. You just me. fucked clean over Godzilla. You call Godzilla a tiny lizard brain. He has a tiny lizard brain. You like, see, you sound like a woman breaking up with her boyfriend. <laughs> and you know what? And you got a tiny lizard brain, by the way. I never even told you that. I never even told you that. The whole this whole time, this whole time, I've been lying. Your tiny lizard brain ass. Ah, I told all my girls you got a tiny lizard brain. Like that's that's you dissed the shit out of Godzilla. All right, right. Godzilla can't communicate. Kong can communicate. If he can communicate, Kong no sign language. All right, so you're telling me like I knew Godzilla was gonna win. Help the game, but you're telling me that they didn't. The the directors, the writers didn't do Kong dirty throughout this whole film. They did. This is the only thing I'll say about this. If the atomic breath is that big of a deal, then you got to give Kong a special power, too. They gave exactly. Kong an uh, axe. And without the axe, he'd have got washed even more. The axe, the, 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 the fucking axe from Hollow Earth, the axe is what is what kept him from getting washed even more. They had to bring out Stormbreaker for him not to get his, his, his issue. Also, they, did, they overdid it. Like, if he had just, like, one... But my man Godzilla put his, put his foot on Kong's chest and be like, yeah. what? What? And I was like, all right, guys, we get it. We the fight scenes were amazing though. The, the fight, fight scenes, scenes were amazing. incredible. Like I like I honestly think that like my brain shut off for most of like the human parts. But when like the first time like Kong like just like bitch slapped Godzilla, I was like, oh shit, we're in this movie. <laughs> I had a great time. Did you like it? I did. I did like it. It was pretty. It was pretty good. I know it was good because me and my brother like ended up having stupid fights about it. And my brother, what your brother say? Me, he asked me. He said, "Yo, you think Neo could be King Kong?" And I'm like, "That's a stupid. That's like a stupid thing." All right, that's a dumb question. But could he? So here's the thing about it. It's a it's a <laughs> dumb question. But here's the thing. So where are we at? Are we so in are we the getting, Matrix? Because if we're in the Matrix, then obviously he could be King Kong, right? If we're in yes. the Matrix, if we're inside the Matrix, then obviously. And first of all, the, we should be asking if he could be Godzilla because Godzilla destroyed King Kong, right? So, yes. so number one. But let's if he's in the Matrix, then obviously he could be. If he's outside the Matrix and he's in his universe, then who is Neo? No one. Right, right, right. So if you give Neo all the power, so Neo really can't exist outside the Matrix because if Neo has any yes. powers to be inside the fight, then he has to have the powers to move the reality around and if he has the power to move the reality around then he's essentially Franklin Richards of wherever he's at and he can do whatever he wants dog you just did you went super like you're the guy who's just like but well like what are the rules of the universe just answer the question Neo or King Kong you can't but you can't answer that question All right, so I'll give you I'll give you a better one Okay. Dominic Toretto, Dominic Toretto and oh, all, all, all everybody in the fast like the Fast 5 universe from that right. movie versus Godzilla, who wins? They're going to find a way. I'm sorry. That's the right answer. They shouldn't be able to they they shouldn't be able to win. It should be a no contest. But I'm telling you, Dom is going to shoot a tow cable from the end of a fucking 1968 Chevy Nova souped up with with a a a, a nuclear powered engine. And he's gonna shoot the tow cable around the end of King Kong's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, fucking tail. He's gonna drive down King Kong's back the whole time. Uh, the uh, Tyrese is gonna be somewhere like, "What are you doing, Dom? That's crazy!" And Dom's gonna go, "I know it's crazy, but I live my life one thing at a time." Foo! And he's gonna go up there, and he's gonna they're gonna throw Kong into the water. And then after they get into the water, it, it, like a ludicrous is going to be in the water. He's going to have hacked a nuclear submarine because remember, remember, Ludacris started off as a guy. He started off as a guy who ran an auto body shop. Yes. And he became Mark Zuckerberg over the course of like three or four movies. He became more the, than my, the smartest person on the team the when he literally was team. just like a DJ and like... <laughs> The auto body guy. I'm not. I'm not saying he didn't have it in him, but I'm just telling you what happened. He became a world class universal, a world class universal hacker. So he's in the in the in the uh, in the in the water with uh with the with the he's hacked a nuclear sub and he's driving it because he knows how to do that. It's intuitive, and they and he, they say hit it, and then they drag Godzilla into the water and they drown him or something like that. That's how I just want to. I just want to see uh. Hobbs just just take off his shirt and be like, 
Hobbs bows to no one. <laughs> uh, yeah, Hobbs. I'm telling you, Hobbs. <laughs> would, they would drop Hobbs on top of Godzilla yes. with some primitive weapon, like a big ass <laughs> wrench. Or something like that. Hey, here's a wrench from the submarine. It's a submarine wrench, Hobbs. But Hobbs is so fucking strong, he can lift it. And so, I'm telling you, they will find a way. They will find a way. They will beat them. They will beat him. They will All find right. a way. And also, before we go, I just have to, I have to address something. All right? Sure. Okay. Uh, our producer, Steve, also a producer on TV Concierge. And, uh, you know, the boys over there, Shea Serrano, Logan Murdoch, they called oh. us out. They called, they called us out. They called Mallory Rubin. They called the Ringerverse out. They called the Ringerverse out. Yeah. Hey, here's my thing. Like, Steve, can I get some flex bombs? They think just because the two of us are on TV concierge anymore, they can take the crown. But the crown isn't for the taking. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. Is I mean, the, the, the South got something to say on the Ringerverse. You feel me? Hell yeah, the South got something to say. I tell you, I tell Logan Murdoch something right now. Woo! Yo, <laughs> Logan. Bro, your head not even big enough to fit my crown, bro. Oh, look at look at my cap. It. Look at my cap. Look at my cap. I'm on the last two buttons on my cap. Woo. I'm the last two buttons on my cap. And that's why all that shit you talking on TV concierge, that shit is cap. It's big cap. We're ready we, for it. It's the Midnight Boys. <laughs> Drop that bomb. You know what I'm saying? Go. Get <laughs> the fuck out of here. We love y'all, by the way. We uh, love you guys. Uh, we love both of y'all, by the way. Uh, all right. We are out. Listen, Tuesday, Mallory's show is going to have a deeper dive into episode three of The Falcon and the Warner Soldier. Uh, also, all of your mailback questions. So any of your mailback questions that you have, send them in to us on our socials, at Ringerverse on all, so on all socials. You have to follow us and the show. Uh, whatever pops up, we're going to cover it. Whatever you want to hear about it, we're going to cover it. And I got to, uh, before we go, they the, the people told me to ask you, for once they weren't grilling me. They hate how you say... There's no such word as Thanos. How do you pronounce it? Thanos. Ayo. <laughs> Ayo. Thanos. Thanos. Ayo. Guys, I tried. Ayo. I tried Thanos. for you. They, they Thanos. Want, they want you Ayo. to pronounce it Thanos. So, Stop. can, we get, can get, we get a Thanos? Get, get Wait, it. no, I'm saying Thanos now. Rest in peace. Thanos. Rest in peace, Shorty Love. Hey, hey, that's a good place to Thanos. go. Thanos, Thanos. <laughs> All right, we out of here, man. Woo! This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.